Drogba in der Mitte, da Schneider, Schneider Merhaba, and welcome to episode 38 of the Lions Den, a Galserai podcast done by the community for the community. Today, I, Emre, will be your host. It is 2023 now, and we're entering the new year as leaders. Today, it's just going to be me and my North American brethren. We're going to be drinking the tears of our opponents, and we're going to discuss the Tsivas game in depth. So, let me introduce you to them. Yasin from New York. How you doing, brother? How's New Year's treating you? Good, man. Happy New Year's. Uh, can't be happier, honestly. You know, like you said, we go into the New Year as leaders. That's the best that way that we can really do it. Um, a lot of people thought that Fenerbahce was going to be the team to, you know, finish the, finish the season early as leaders, win the championship in March and April. That's not looking like the case. So, very good. Health is in check. Can't really ask for more, man. Right, right, man. Going to the new year healthy and happy is one of the biggest things we could ever ask for. The best things we can ask for. Isn't that right, Coach John from Canada? What's up? Happy New Year's, everyone. Um, happy to be back for another one. 38 episodes in. I don't know. Can you guys believe that? Already, 38 episodes. Closing in According on the to some 50. of our fans, it's not even enough for them. Yeah, I know. I know. Thanks for everyone, by the way, during the World Cup break, sending us messages, asking when the next episode's coming and, and all that. Thanks for the support. But it's it's great. We're kicking off the, uh, the new year with uh, a new episode for everyone. So looking forward to it. Yeah, we're looking forward to another year of you guys supporting us. You guys are, are really what keeps us going and we can't thank you guys enough. For real. If uh, our, our friends, you know, Samet was here, uh, Saleh, Maz, they would tell you the same exact thing. Samet uh, couldn't make it. He, he has some fatherly duties, you know. It is what it is. We love him for it. Saleh, I think he got a little too, uh, <laughs> you know, carried away with some of the New Year celebrations, so he couldn't make it either. And Mazar is uh same thing, I think, <laughs> and which is okay. I mean, let, let's let's be real here. Like, you're being nice, Samra, but this is the what? Like, the third, fourth, fifth episode where it's just us North Americans, whether it's three of us or two of us. But how many times have you all seen episodes where there's no North Americans and it's just Europeans or just Maz and the guys? Like, I, I don't recall any. Like, I, I think we deserve a little praise here for the consistency. So, yeah, I just want to so say too. thank you to both of you. <laughs> I appreciate it. I appreciate both of you. But, you know, they're going to come being their, you know, rebellious selves. Uh, they're going to say, oh, well, you know, you guys have this time zone difference. We always, uh, you know, catering to your times and such. But, you know, they could always just go and do it themselves. But they can't because <laughs> they need the Americans. No matter how much they hate us or they make fun of us. <laughs> Americans, we got it, baby. For sure. All right. So, lads. Before we get into the game, is there anything you guys want to talk about? Anything that pops into your mind? Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll sort of kick us off here. It's been a while since we had some uh, transfer news. 
But there is one rumor that has been heating up over the past few days, and especially yesterday, there was a bunch of uh, a bunch of reports about it. But it's in regards to Aziz Beich, who is the um, uh, current left back for Dundee United in Scotland and the Australian national team. Um, <clears throat> I, you know, honestly, I, I sort of figured we would be in the market for a left back. I don't think that's any surprise. But what do you guys think about that? Like, is that a player you'd like, you know, to replace Kazimjan, who I think has, you know, slowly sort of been coming around? I mean, this is a, a 32-year-old player. He has tons of experience in the Super League. He, he actually had some really good performances um, in the World Cup for Australia as well. Across the four matches he played, he had a 6.6 rating. And keep in mind, two of those matches were against France and Argentina. So some tough competition. So I think he put in some decent performances. But is that someone you'd like to see uh, join us in January? Since uh, Yasin just cleared his throat, I think he's getting ready to speak. <laughs> so uh, Yasin, uh, take it away, bro. <laughs> I was going to say you can have it, but uh, I'll, I'll take it away. So I'm, I like this. And just to quickly comment on what you said, John, you said replace Kazimjan. I actually don't think that's the case. And... The, the type of player he is, the age he has, the experience he has, it actually, I think, works out really well for a short, as a short-term solution to us trying to figure out what we want to do long-term. Because Aziz Beige is 32 years old, as you said. You know, this, the last team in the Super League that he played for was Giresunspor. You know, he, I think he says, you know, 34 games played in one season. Whether he played great or bad, I'm not going to lie, I didn't follow Giresunspor that season, the season that he played. but. That's still valuable experience. He played for Bursa Spor, over 120 uh, you know, caps for them. He knows the league and he counts as a Turkish player. And I think that's the most important part of this whole thing because he's not. we're not going to bring him in and say, listen, you're going to be the absolute number one player and you're going to play every single game. I don't think he's going to be that type of transfer. I think he would be the type of transfer that's going to be like, okay, we need a Yerli player and our only options right now is Kazim Jan, who's injured. Other other options, Emre Tashtemir, who is also injured or is on the verge of being injured any single given minute. And Van Anholt, who is a Yabanja player. And I think we can all agree, has not been good. In fact, there's rumors of him simultaneously, along with this Aziz Beic rumor, of us trying to let go of him. I'm seeing now rumors of maybe Kasim Pasha being interested. I've seen rumors of us paying majority of his wages and letting the other team take care of the rest. I've seen rumors of us being happy to just pay whatever we owe him for the next six months and just let, get him off our roster because we need to open up space. So by bringing in a guy like Aziz Beich, I think you can be like, okay, you'll play, but there's going to be times where Kazim Jan, you know, a, guy, a young kid that's been playing well, that we invested for the long term, is going to start over you. And I don't think he's going to complain. I mean, this is Galatasaray. Right? He's playing in Europe next year, very, very likely. Whereas right now he's playing for Dundee United. I don't know much about Dundee United, but like who does? That, that, that's all I have to say about that. No, no disrespect to any of our listeners who are Dundee United fans on the side, but there's a big difference and, here, and right? Sorry, Yasin, and yes, sorry, sorry to cut you off. Just for what you just said about Dundee United, just for everyone listening as well, just some information. Uh, Dundee United is in relegation right now. They're in 11th. They're in second last place in the Scottish League. So keep that in mind as well. Yeah, and like he's playing, so I'm sure his team values him. The most important thing of this transfer rumor is how much they're going to ask for. And I'm a little bit optimistic it won't be too expensive 
compared to trying to buy a Turkish player that's already playing in the Turkish league because everybody, every team in the Turkish league is already struggling to deal with this Yabancı Kurala, this foreigner limit. And you know how it is. You know, how many times have we gotten ripped off from these, you know, these spread league teams because we were interested in a semi-decent Turkish player just to reach this quota? So I think we have a little bit of an advantage from that negotiate negotiation perspective. And I'm all for it. If if of course Galatasaray and Aziz Beic approach this deal with the same mindset that I just did, um, I'm I'm excited for it because I would hate to bring in an expensive left back and just put Kazim John on the bench when I think most of us can agree that the kid has potential to play as a left back long term for us. So um I'm excited. Let's see what happens. Uh yeah. I don't even think this would be an option if um Kazim Jung didn't get injured. Cause I think we were gonna look at other options for Turkish uh spots, right? Just to like broaden our uh rotation in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but it kind of sucks, man. Honestly, like I I done the United Turkish league. And and like if you look at Aziz's history, it's like he's been like <laughs> taken in and thrown out by almost every team that he's ever been to. Um, but like you guys said, that he's only here as a temporary solution to a really outdated rule, this foreign rule, I needs to go away. It's it's just not helping anybody. Anybody. And then it also stops people from leaving and finding their true potential because let's say Cosm John is as good as he is or can be better. We're not gonna let him go because of the stupid foreign rule. Tell me I'm wrong. Like, oh, are we going to let him go? Or Like, imagine if Abdukadin was 25 and not 28, 29. Would we let him go? No one's going to pay like 15 million for him. The max they'll pay is maybe like 8 million. But for us to replace him with another Turkish player that's at, at like equal caliber, if not just a little lower, would be just as much. So this rule, it doesn't provide anything. So I... I just hope that someone with the brain comes to Tefefe and just changes this. And I think it'll happen soon. There's uh, talks about it going around. I don't know if you guys heard about it, but I- I'm optimistic. Yeah. So I, I like this Isis Beach uh, temporary transfer. Hopefully, Cosm John gets better soon. Um, but yeah, speaking of Cosm John getting injured... The Sivas Sport game and their, uh, you know, plot of land that's meant to be farmed on. <laughs> what, do, what do we think, boys? What do we think about the game? John, do you want to take us through the game slowly? Yeah, absolutely. Let's, uh, let's jump into it. So, um, just in case anyone wasn't aware or they were wondering before I jump into it, uh, this was a midweek match shortly after the uh, match we played on the weekend. Um, trying to fill in the blanks that were left from the World Cup, uh, the World Cup break. So this was uh, round 16 of the Super League. We were away to Sivas. This one ended 2-1 in favor of Galatasaray. This was a, um, I guess, a bit of a nervy match. We'll, we'll dive into why that is, but I'll, I'll get into the lineup and some stats first. So like I said, this one finished 2-1. 52% possession for Galatasaray and 48% for Sivas. Uh, 13 to 12 shots in favor of Galatasaray. And uh, we had an XG of 1.89. Sivas had an XG of 1.70. We'll go through the starting lineup here. 
so we started, I believe, almost the same as last match. Um, so we had Van Anholt left back. Uh, sorry, Muslera in goal, by the way. Uh, Van Anholt left back, Abdul Kerim, Nelson, Bowie, Berkan, Sergio Oliveira, Mertens, Kerem, Rashidza, and Gomis up front. And uh, with that said, I guess we'll get into our thoughts about the match, first half in particular. Um, so I think we knew, uh, you know, even before this match started that we were in for a little bit of a difficult match. If, if you just, if you look at the history between the two of us, um, we, ha- we have some losses against Sivas, uh, although we were in good form coming into the match. Uh, I think we lost the last two or three matches against Sivas in, in the, the yeah. previous seasons. But We have uh, some bad blood yeah, between yeah, us. Absolutely. And, you know, in addition to that, uh, we knew the, the the weather probably wasn't going to be ideal. And like Emre mentioned, um, you know, no comment on the pitch, just absolutely terrible. So definitely some obstacles to uh, to sort of overcome there. I thought that if, if we break the first half into two halves, the first part of that first half, I, f- I thought that Sivas was a little bit better. I thought they were a little bit more threatening and I kind of felt, you know, you, I, we kind of got the vibe that it was going to be a little bit of a tougher match. And um, yeah, we eventually settled in the second, the later part of that first half um, into the, the later stages of it, I should say. We kind of settled in a little bit more. And the breakthrough actually came in the 27th minute. It was Mertens who scored off a cross from Sasha Boy. Just a beautiful goal, like beautiful build up, beautiful cross, sort of a trailing cross. Uh, to Mertens in in the uh, upper or middle part of the box, and just first time into the uh, the bottom corner, lovely finish from Mertens, who's been playing, in my opinion, phenomenal the last uh, few games before the break as well. Um, so that's fantastic. And we went into the first half one nil. W- what did you guys think about the first half in general, and 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 who stood out? Um, let me just take this one for now. Um. <sighs> The first half is kind of what we expected. I didn't expect much football to be played, to be quite frank. On this field, I think the performance we showed is the best you're going to get on this type of field. This, like, you could tell when people are passing, the ball just like, like, <laughs> jumps up from time to time, slows down, doesn't go where it needs to go, and that's why you kind of saw this, this, this um, back and forth between us and Sivas, just constantly shooting long balls trying to get our ball yeah. to the pitch at the end right and so it it kind of i can't people say we didn't play great I, I i can't expect people to play great on this type of field it's like i can't even say it's a field at this point i'd rather play on turf and i hate turf and you know you know what emre as well like to, to that point you just said when i remember when i was watching the match and merton scored and he hit it first time I, I remember thinking to myself, he's so smart. Like if, if he tried, you know, settling the ball down, who, who knows what would have happened? Like, it's so hard to control the ball when it's, when you're playing on a pitch like this, like I'm going to mention right. a little later, there's a chance that Kerem squandered. That was just a horrible I was going to just yeah. say that because that happened to Kerem when, um, again, Mertens, superb ball, just cut the whole defense in half, saw um, Kerem by himself and Kerem like would have scored on a one-on-one, but the field was so bad. Mm. He couldn't control the ball, but l- with the last second ditch attempt, he gave the ball to Gomez yeah. and he couldn't score. I mean, say what you will, it is kind of tough. You have two players right in front of you 
Maybe he could have held the ball longer. Mm-hmm. Eh, you know, I can't say. Yeah. Um, Gomez has been providing us with a lot of uh, points on his own, just straight up. So, like, I can't give him a lot for that. Yeah, and- but I'm just saying, like, in general, yeah, I'll, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it to you. Just in general, I think the first half, we played the way we needed to play. Sivas had, like, no shots on target first half. I think they finished with no shots. I think they had one chance that Yatabare couldn't finish. He kind of tripped. And it's, well, that's what you get when you, your, shield, your field is this shit, you know? You get those opportunities and you can't finish because your field is trash. So, yeah. That, that's my takeaway. Like, I didn't expect the football game to be played this, this match. I didn't. And what we showed was more than enough to win against this team, I think. Yeah. But yeah, what were you going to say? Yeah, no, I, that's, I, I couldn't agree more. And just to sort of round it off before I pass it on to, uh, to Yasin. So like, like I mentioned, the Mertens goal came in the 27th minute. The chance that we've talked about that with Kera missing, that came in the 30th minute. It was a through ball that Mertens played. He just ripped their back line open. Kerem was sort of through on goal. It looks like he kind of lost his footing or maybe had a bad touch and he couldn't shoot it. The uh, Gomis picked up the loose ball. It was a pretty just an empty net, really, and there was a defender standing in the net, and Gomis couldn't put it in. There was two actually, two, two, yeah, one, two defenders yeah. in the net, and and they blocked it. He couldn't finish it, and then uh, in the forty second minute, Rashitsa had a cross, uh, and Van Anholt was on the other end of it, and he probably could have scored. Maybe he could have done a better job trying to steer it into the net, but it went over. Yeah, so, that one was tough, though. Yeah, the angle. Yeah, yeah, that's a much more difficult chance for sure. But I just wanted to say that just to sort of uh, round out what what you and I have said. And uh, Yasin, you can go ahead and give us your thoughts on it. Before Yasin, I, I just forgot to mention Bowie, man. I, this kid, I can't just. There's, you know, um, back in the day. There was there was there was a on the Barcelona subreddit after the matches there would be you know man of the match other than Messi we're gonna have to have man of the match <laughs> other than Bowie because he's been phenomenal every game so far I don't, I can't remember um, a game he was really bad in Yasin unless you can tell me otherwise no I think um, I mean maybe very early in the season he had one or two games uh, or maybe it was even last year I honestly don't know I might, I might even be his first game back was Antalya yeah like the, the kid has been phenomenal he's been very consistent this season so not, nothing really to say there man and he's been improving just look at his assist yeah. right yeah yeah that, that's, that's what I was going to say I mean I think you guys pretty much covered everything there is to discuss in the first half there's just two points that I want to reiterate because I think it's really important. One is that assist from uh, Sacha Bowie. I mean, we already talked about him several times, but, you know, Sacha Bowie has always been a tank defensively, getting back, winning the ball, you know, distributing the ball. But the thing that's really kind of separated him between being a very good player and a great player is that final third, whether it's across, the pass, or the shot. And um, we've seen great shots from him, hit the post, the crossbar several times this season. So I think he's definitely capable of that. It's just a matter of consistency. But it's been the lack, like the, the last pass, you know, that we used to see from Mariano, for example. That's, that's the last fullback that I remember where I felt so damn comfortable, where I felt like I even had like a playmaking number 10, playing left back or right back, wherever he played, I think right back at the time. Where I was like, this guy, that this guy knows how to create chances for us. And I always felt comfortable whenever he went up that we're gonna, you know, get a chance from him going up because he just he knew how to find the striker or the, the trailing winger, the midfielder. He was that good. Sacha has not been quite that yet. And I've always said, okay, he's young, he'll learn. 
and he's actually learning. I mean, look at that pass. I think it was a, it might have been a one-time pa uh, touch pass. So Barakan laid the ball off to him. He made an overlapping run. Barakan played it through on him, and he found Mertens perfectly. And Mertens knew how to finish that, of course. He's experienced. But that is what I love to see. That's not something that we were able to say that, you know, he'll do every single time throughout, you know, this season. He's kind of been lacking. He's been inconsistent. But if he can continue to do that and find that pass consistently for the rest of the season, that's just going to make him all that more valuable for us and then his next team that he's, I think, eventually going to end up going if to. If I can so. add one more to your st um, your point, last game, yeah. he crossed from like all the way to the other side of the pitch to Gomez where, you yes, know, it came off yes. the... Bur I Bro, I've never seen him make a, a cross like that before. He picked up. He picks up his head finally and makes more accurate passes. So, you, like you yeah. said, man, he's improving. I think he's working hard. And I love it. Yeah, we all love it for sure. The, there's nothing better to see than a young player work on their weaknesses in a very short period of time. Because you're always worried, like this young player is this is this their max potential? Are they gonna? Is this a weakness that they can actually work on, or is it gonna be a weakness for the rest of their career? Sacha is proving a lot of people wrong, and I, I love to see that. You know, Sacha is very hard to not love, and good for him. I hope he keeps it up. Um, that's number one. Number two is the field and the pitch. I think John touched on it on how Mertens is show how how much experience he has to kind of see the field, understand the field, and play accordingly. And I want to add Sergio to that grouping as well. And I, and I love players like this. In the past, you know, if I were to think of a player that knew how to adjust to the pitch, it was always Schneider for me. You know, Schneider is this playmaking number 10 that knows how to find passes and shoot, but he was always able to adjust to his settings as well, even though he doesn't have every single skill set that you can think of. You know, he wasn't the paces player. He didn't have, you know, five-star, you know, he wasn't a credible dribbler, you know, he, he he didn't always beat players, but he knew how to adjust to his surroundings. And you know, Sergio made passes accordingly. You know, he I thought he did a great job adjusting to the pitch, and that's what you want from your midfielders in this situation. I think you know we could have easily tried to resort to our you know quick passing on the ground and really kind of play it against us, you know, mm -hmm. against our yeah. favor. But I think we adjusted really well. And I love seeing that from experienced players like Mertens and Sergio. Um, I, I wanted to applaud that, but I think you guys covered everything else for the first half. There's but one, the second half... There's one yeah. thing I wanted to touch on, actually. They didn't go over it, but I think you're the perfect candidate to tell us this. Um, going into this game without Torreira, everyone was scared as hell. They're like, who's going to play in the you know CDM role? And then you saw Badcon play that role. And I think he was... You know, I think he proved everyone wrong. You know, everyone was like, had their butts tight because thinking that he was going to mm -hmm. make mistakes, give away passes that would lead to goals on counterattacks. But what did you think, Yasin? Before I say what I think, you know, I'm glad you brought it up. Did you guys expect that back into play or did you guys no, expect- No, I, I thought Mitchell would play. I, I thought so too. John, what did you mm, think? I wasn't that surprised, honestly. I, I mean, I think we- Actually, yeah, we played with three Turks last game, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of expected it, but I would I also wouldn't have been surprised if Mitchell Four actually. Four. We played with Holcom played last game, remember? Yes, that's what it was. That's what I was thinking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um yeah, I, I wasn't surprised to see it. And I mean, I think he's like before I give it back to Yasin, I know he has a lot to say about it. I I think it's useful to have a player like Berkan. Like I don't fully write him off. 
I just, yeah, you know, I, I just am confident in saying he's not as good as Sergio Torreira or Mitchell. Like yeah. that, like that's it. But I, I don't write him off. Like when we need him to play these type of matches, I'm pretty confident he can play decently. You know, and I thought he played, you know, fairly well in 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 the in the Sivas game. So, you know, I think he's good to have overall. Yeah, yeah, and you know, there's not really a lot to add. I mean, you guys have heard me talk about Berkan positively for many, many episodes, and I think he showed himself again today. Uh, it's tough when you don't have Torreira on the pitch because he covers the weaknesses that a guy like Sergio leaves. You know, we've always criticized Sergio of being a very attack-minded player. He doesn't get back defensively. He doesn't make the best defensive tackles. And, you know, we've criticized Barakon for not being the best number six, rather a better number eight. And again, I, I still criticize that, you know, putting Barakon as a number six, you know, in hindsight, you know, it worked out fine. But I think it's still a very critical, risky decision to play Barakon as a six. But it worked out great because... Berkan is a guy who's, you know, workhorse. He'll cover that field. And on a pitch like the one that we saw in Sivas, it's going to get your players tired. And Sergio is coming back from an injury. So it's even more riskier. And I think Berkan did an incredible job covering his role as well as helping Sergio. And as I just said, he provided the second assist to that goal. He brought the ball up, played it to, uh, you know, Sacha, and, he, you know, the rest is history. So... Applause to him, and and I hope people realize that the expectation, as John just said, from Berkan is not to be this, you know, Satrick Inan or Felipe Melo or anything like that. He's a great role player. He'll come in, you know. He, I think his passing is completely underrated. He did his job today, and that's that's the best that you can ask for when your main number six is missing. He did a great job, and I think I hope he was rewarded for that from Okamburuk and the rest of the team. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We can so, uh, we can get in sec into some second yeah. half points. Yeah, let's do that. So I think this might be the biggest um, point of conversation in this match. So in the fiftieth minute, uh, Sivas. Well, we we thought Sivas had tied the match one one. Um, it looked like it was a sure goal, and um, well, it went to VAR, and the goal was disallowed. And I think as of now, we still don't have any official statement or, or anything, you know, fully explaining what had happened, what, what the call was, why it was disallowed. Um, and, you know, that it's received a lot of backlash and a lot of, um, you know, I guess, controversy online and, and, and things like that. So before I even get into the other points, what did you guys think about this? Like, do any of you have an idea why it was called off or, you know, what exactly happened? From what I saw from pictures and people talking about it, um, what, what, so what happened was Sasha Bowie, when he was in the, in the goal, right, he was behind Muslera and there was no other Galsarai players between Muslera and the two Sivas players. When um, I forgot who made the shot, but when he shot, those two Sivas players was offside. Since there was Sasha Bowie does not count because he's behind the keeper, and so since when he shot, those two guys were actively going towards the uh, the ball, 
it was ruled offside. Even the uh, the 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 ref himself said we called it off for offsides after the match when he was asked about it. And so I think that's what happened. But there was a lot of people saying, "Oh, it's because uh, Nelson got fouled, or it's this, or it's that." But when at the end of the day, when you look at it, that's what why it was ruled offside. And I think people don't understand or know this rule that well. And then they 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 come up with these controversies, saying that oh, it's you know rigged or whatever, it's the bad call mm-hmm. or something like that. But even in the World Cup, I forgot who it was. The same thing happened. Instead of two players, there was one player that was uh, mm-hmm. offside and they ruled the goal offside. I can't remember who, but if someone can remember and let us know after this episode's out, it would be great. But this is a common rule. Like it's, it's like, I don't know, like, are these refs doing something unknowingly that we don't know? No. But what the issue is that they're not coming out and explaining it. And letting this whole controversy blow up and like spiral out of control. Yeah, exactly. That's, That's my right. biggest issue with yeah. it currently. Yeah. I mean, don't you think that this whole thing could have just been shot down right away if there was, you know, an official statement of what the call was, what the rule is, like something official. Absolutely, know? bro. Absolutely. Because yeah. it's like, it's, I don't know. It's not like, it's not as simple as he got a red card for, for, for nothing. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's, it's a very technical decision. And so I can't really like say it's right or wrong, you know? Yeah, I mean I don't know the rules as well. And like I mean, yeah, just yeah. Yasin, just just before you give your thoughts, I know you probably have a lot to say about it, but I I I think that it it's a really big mistake to not have something official come out because now look at what's happened. We've had Ali Koch give this, you know, press conference, whatever you want to call it. We have Erdan Timur gave a bunch of statements as well like and then when that happens, then the fans start going out on Twitter and all kinds of craziness happens. So like, I, I don't understand why they don't just, you know, erase and eliminate all of that. And after the match, just give a statement, let the referees, uh, you know, let the TFFA communicate with the referees and give some official statement as to what the rule is and what the call was. Yeah. And then it won't Absolutely. escalate so far, right? And cause all this other bullshit to happen. It's like these Turkish people love drama. It's like they yeah, see like, ah, you know what? I'm going to let this stay. Yeah. They're so used to their Turkish soap opera or drama series. They're like, they want to see it in real life. I don't know. Yasin, what do you think about it? So I thought it was a bogus call. I'm going to be straight up honest. Um, I didn't understand it. I understand the rule that people were trying to justify it for. So you you briefly mentioned, you know, such a bogus behind Musleta. So just to clarify that for those who don't understand it. If a player is behind the goalie, that doesn't mean that they are necessarily just don't count anymore. You don't just wipe them from whatever the scenario is. The reason why people look at the goalie as the last man in any offside situation is because generally the goalie is the last person. That's what makes sense. He's basically in front of the goal and no defender is usually behind him. But there are situations where a defender is covering the goalie if the goalie comes up. And that that's when that defender, whoever is the last person, the most farthest back, becomes the last person. And in that situation, then you apply the goalie or whoever is the second to last person as the one who breaks the offsides line, right? That's what it is. The second to last person, usually a defender, but in this case, Musleta, is the one that's breaking the offsides line. But from every angle I've looked at, I've looked at hundreds of replays, hundreds of screenshots. I've probably seen like five different lines drawn for what people think was an offsides position. 
there's not one single image where I was convinced that any of the uh, Sivas players were offsides because Sacha Bowie was clearly on the line, the furthest one back. And the Sivas players looked like they were still in front of Musleta. And that's why it didn't make sense to me. Mm-hmm. And guys, for every offsides decision that we've seen so far, whether it's for us, against us, for, for or against our opponents, if VAR is called and they want to change it, you see a line drawn. Yes or no? Yeah, that, yeah. That's what every single time mm-hmm. you see a line mm-hmm. drawn to clarify to the viewer that this is where the offsides was. So nobody is confused every single time. And that, that is the most, you know, communication that we get as fans. And, you know, we, we take it and we move on. And a lot of the times you see it's super close. And even when the line is drawn, sometimes we say, what the hell is this? You know, th- th- that's too close. You know, there's an argument. Sometimes people say if it's a couple centimeters, you should still give it as a goal. You shouldn't, you know, count something offsides because of one centimeter. There's conversations like that. Now it's, there's no line drawn. So nobody understands it. And I was not convinced. I wanted to be proven that that was offsides, but I didn't see it. And in this case, it's like whether Sivas deserved three points or one point or not, people of Sivas, the Sivas fans, in my opinion, were done wrongly. The Sivas sport club was done wrong. And I, I don't, that doesn't sit right with me. Yeah. Whether you will, whether I can't say that we still wouldn't have won because that happened, what, in like the 50th minute? Let's say Siva scored that goal and it was 1 1. You, you can't make an argument to me saying that we were going to lose points that game. We could have easily changed how we played accordingly and still won the game. It wasn't a red card. It wasn't, you know, an injury or anything like that. It was a goal being counted or not counted. It's decisive, but. It wasn't in the 99th minute either. So there's a lot of controversy behind it, but I'm, I'm, I wish they didn't call it. You know, <laughs> you know that's, I guess my, that, that's my last comment on right. it. I wish they gave the goal because of everything that came afterwards and because of recency bias and because of all the bullshit that we heard and we're going to hear for the rest of the season until the season's finished. Right. They're going to come back to this position and say, oh, if, you know, the refs weren't on Galatasaray's side, Maybe Gala, Gala wouldn't have been champions because that's such a difficult away game, blah, blah, blah. I hate hearing that. I'd rather they gave this goal and we hear none of it. Their, their point it, is it, irrelevant, Yasin, irrelevant, because if they really wanted us to win and not lose, they would have gave, gave, uh, given Nelson's penalty where the guy literally wrestled him to the ground in the penalty uh, area during a corner. So I don't care what anyone says. They can say all they want. They they can't boast about um, honor to me, especially those teams that are on, that are on FIFA or whatever. Casas, you know, um, list of teams that have done fraud. Don't come at us. Do not. And if, dude, if it wasn't this game, I can point five games this season that we were screwed out of points. Okay, <clears throat> Alanya being the worst offender of 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 anything. All right, let's say Sivas <clears throat> did tie here well we should have won the Alanya game easy that would cover our lost uh, points so I don't want to hear none of that people Mm -hmm. need to look at the bigger picture it's like bro if if they wanted to make us champions they would have already done so but no we lost we should have been ahead more yeah there's points that we messed up on that Okan Buruk messed up but there's definitely things that he couldn't have fixed that was uh, because of the ref's decisions 
And people are saying, oh, whenever it happens, so, oh, the refs are just bad. You know, you got to take it with the, the territory. Well, okay, what happened then, bro? What happened? Why is everyone crying over one call that we actually had in our favor just once this, se- uh, this season? Come on, like, come on, bro. Yeah, I, I mean, we're going to, after we we finish talking about this match performance and everything, there's a couple more uh, points we're going to make in regards to this, like the aftermath of this and everything. But b- before we sort of move on to the next uh, moment in the match, I, I do want to just say like what you were saying, Emre, um, you know, I, I don't know how many games, how many games did we play again before VAR was even considered in our favor? Oh, at least 10. Yeah. So at that, least 10. I mean, that right there just like everything else is invalid after that. You know, like right. if we got blessed with one good call, then that really means nothing compared to the other like 20 calls that didn't go our way, you know, and let's be honest with ourselves. Let, let's really be honest, you know, and, and the fans of, of the other teams as well. Let's really look at this and be honest with ourselves. If we got the proper calls and if VAR was actually used, this league might be close to being over already. Like straight up, we're one point ahead in first now. How many points could, how many more points could we have won uh, at the beginning of the season if VAR was used, right? It was used for every other team, every other team in the league. We've, we, but it took, like you said, nine, 10, who knows how many games before it was even used, right? So yeah, that right there, to me, makes everything else invalid. Like it used in our favor, in our favor, right. not the other team's favor, which had happened within those 10 games, whatever, right. how many games happened. Bro, we're the team that got the most yellow and most red cards, I think, or second most red cards. Like, stop the cap, guys, yeah. please. Yeah, absolutely. Stop the cap. Um, well, anyway, John, what do you think about the second half? I think we should just slightly rotate to that. Yes. Just focus more on the game. Yeah, no, absolutely. So that, what, what we just discussed, that was uh, in the 50th minute, like I mentioned earlier. And then um, in the 80th minute, Sivas got their redemption. They had tied the match 1-1. And honestly, we kind of got shredded on this goal that they scored. Like they played a be- I think it was an over the top ball, just just over the top of the back line. I'm not sure who scored for Sivas, sorry, but they controlled it and really nice tidy finish into the corner and it was 1-1 and it was one of those goals where they scored and it was uh, you know, our players were kind of just looking around like holy shit. Yeah. You know, what it just was, happened? It uh, was Erdogan Yeshilyut that scored Yeshilyut, assisted yes. by Saba. Yeah. Saba was good for them actually, yeah. Saba. That's right. Can we can we take a moment right there to call out Van Anholt because he's the one that ruined the offside line? Yeah, take us through it. If you if you if you, if you watch the replay again, you have Nelson and Abdulkerim as center backs drawing the line. You have to follow the center backs as a, as a fullback. You follow what they do because they're the ones that are the center of your defense. Mm-hmm. They pull up, and Van Anholt is in no man's land. What are you doing, my guy? Like he's not paying attention. He's like two meters behind them. And he's keeping Erdogan Yishiyurt, who's the one that scored and ended up getting a red card later, completely on sides. And then he like pauses, thinking that he's like off sides and just like raises his hand, just completely stops playing, being involved, thinking that the dude's actually off sides. He breaks the line. And that was just so frustrating to me because if we, if we go back to that call that we were just talking about, that decisive call, the one that the VAR canceled where they scored early in the half... If you guys remember, sorry, I'm kind of going back to another moment, but that VAR decision and that goal that canceled, that came from Sergio causing a foul on Sivas on the left side of the pitch, our left side, right? 
And that came from Sergio's anger because Van Anholt was on the floor waiting for the ball to just be stopped because I don't even remember. Do you, does this recall memories to you guys? I remember, John, you were kind of frustrated because Van Anholt was on the floor because he got pushed a little bit. And he, he like he's on the pitch, so we're a man down. And they ended up getting that foul and scoring and then getting the whole VAR thing canceled. And the reason why I bring that up again is now this is the second time in the in the game within 15, 20 minutes that Van Anholt is being a critical piece to see us scoring or almost scoring. So that was really frustrating. Like that goal looked nice. It was a decent pass behind our defenders. But in reality, nine out of 10 times that's called offsides because our two center backs are doing their job and watching the, the offsides mm-hmm. line. But Van Anholt got caught in no man's land. And I, I just want to add that because we need to criticize Van Anholt because he deserves it. And these these left back rumors that are brewing up is because his performances have not been good. I just want to say that before we forget. Now that you I, mentioned I that, I, 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 I think there is a discipline issue within the team slightly because I don't know, like Oliveira, why did you have to push the guy or just cause a free kick like such unnecessary things that are being done that just causes mm. us headaches in the long run like bro let the ball go out and then you deal with the ref you know what i mean i mean the yeah. ball did go out it was supposed to be a, a throw in but since he like pushed the guy or fouled him whatever we conceded that mm. free kick that led to that controversial like call like bro what is going on just yeah. chill out we need to like fix that within the team um, but yeah, other than that goal that we conceded, what did you guys think about the reaction to, uh, the game from Okamburuk? What did you guys think? Uh, just like, just before, before we jump to that, Emre, just before, um, we get to that, there's just one more thing to bring up. And of course it was, um, the winner, the match winner, uh, for the second time this season, we saw this long ball from Abdul Kerim find Barish who scored he brought the ball down beautifully and he scored to put us ahead 2-1. Um, and I'm really proud of Bodish for that. I, I think he really deserves that. And it was a beautiful ball from Abdul Kerim as well. Uh, what did you guys think about that goal? Very unexpected, by the way. 94th, 95th minute. Yas, you're Deja the one vu. that predicted it, right? Deja vu, baby. I mean, when I saw that happen, I got like instant flashbacks to that Istanbul sport friendly i think it was where yeah, the friendly same thing like if i were to explain the goal to you and i give you no context on the game or who we're playing you'll be like okay are you talking about the stumble sport game or are you talking about the siva sport game because it was the exact same thing and galatasaray actually today on their t- uh, twitter they posted like the two goals being played at the same <laughs> time in the same video and it's like identical yeah. you have Kedem, you know back in his own half with the ball plays a beautiful, like absolutely gorgeous ball behind the defenders, right to where um, Bodish is running into, like to his feet. Like as a winger, as a striker, any any player who's making a run behind the defense, you can't ask for a better ball. Like it's, it's not like he's being asked to like control it with his chest. He's not being asked to like change his momentum of his run or anything. Like he's making a run and it meets him right on his foot. A gorgeous ball by Abdukadem, gorgeous control by Barish, and again a gorgeous finish. I mean, this one was not as nice of a finish as the one against Istanbul Sport, but still, like it's a dying minutes. You got subbed on, and you're being asked to make such a critical yeah. 
play the composure was after excellent. a critical yeah. ball. The composure, man, like from he's he's not a kid, he's not super young, but still, I'm super impressed with that. And you know, I, we, we talked about it on the last podcast. This is what he's good at. He's good at making those runs. He's not incredible at you know giving goals and you know his IQ. This is a strictly. I'm focused. I have the mental strength to make that run and understand that my teammate, Abdul Kedem, is capable of making this pass. And he made the run. And the reason why I say that last sentence where I say understanding his teammate and his capabilities, look at Sefirovic in that exact same play. You have Barish making the run and you have Sefirovic standing flat-footed just like with the defense, like expecting the ball, I guess, to what? maybe kick to him and him to control or ahead it with the defense on his ass. He, he, if he understood his teammates, he should be like, okay, this is something that Abdukerim can do. And Budish was able to do that. And man, I, I, I watched that goal at least 10 times. They're two times. different players I, though. Like just to like, you know, throw, play devil's it's, advocate. It's, it's true. They're it's two true. different it's players. True. Yeah, for sure. Um, that's, that's a good point, but I'm, I'm just so impressed with that goal. I, what do you guys think of it? I mean, if I can just take it real quick. Optu Kedem, man, he's been winning the hearts of everybody lately. I remember when he made his mistake against Gerson Spore, everybody was flaming him. Everybody was like wanting uh, Marcao. Why do we sell Marcao? We're going to miss him so bad. We can't be champions with this guy in the back line with Nelson. Nelson's going to crumble if he has a teammate like this. Oh, all sorts of things. You know, it was starting to get to my head too. And I was hoping that we would all be wrong. And then up to Kenan, man, he could have just, you know, perished. He could have just like yeah. not been himself after that whole, because it all it takes is one, man, one. And then everybody's on your neck, you know, yeah. out for blood. And this man slowly and steadily came back, built up his confidence and showed everyone why he is playing at Galsaray, bro. And look at where he is now. This man is confident. And Kudos to him, bro. I, I can't say anything. Like, he's made me not miss Marcao. Marcao, bro. Yeah. Marcao is, is a monster. And he's made me not, like, look at, like, you know, not put out the bat signal or whatever, the Brazilian flag signal, <laughs> and, like, call for him, bro. You know, respect where respect is due, man. And so, and then Butish. Good for him. We need players like him. This is, like... The signaling for a championship. You know, you get the taste, the smell of a championship. That last minute goal. Reminding me of the Mit uh, Mitrovic goal against Akisar, bro. Dying minutes. <laughs> yeah. Hype. Hype, yeah. man. Hype. John, what do you think of that, man? The whole play, everything that Emma just said, which I think is perfect. Yeah, I mean, what, what are your like thoughts? the goal in particular, like I said, it's just a beautifully weighted ball, man. Like it just fell on an absolute platter for Bodish, which... You know, with that said, although it was, it fell on a platter, it was perfectly weighted. It's not uh, easy to control this ball. Like this is a really long pass. That's hard to control. And he brought it down again for the second time, had the composure in front of goal, in front of the defenders to, uh, to finish it. So happy for both of them. I mean, I like Abdul Kerim. I think he's pretty good. I mean, for me, I don't think he replaced Marcao, just in my opinion. Like, I think he's playing really well. I'll give it to him. Like he deserves some credit for yeah. that, no doubt about it. But like, I don't think he replaces him. Just so, just to put put that out there, I'm just saying he doesn't make me completely miss him. Yeah, okay, I that's still would fair. Rather that's have fair. Marcao, right? That's, I mean, I'm not sitting when I'm watching these games. I'm not sitting here still crying over Marcao. That's entirely true. 
But I mean, Marcao is different, man. Like playing against these teams like Barca, Lazio, like it, it's, he's just different. I don't know. He's just different. But yes, you're right. With Abdul Kerim, I'm not sitting around crying over Marcao anymore. I'll, I'll say that. But yeah. Um, one other thing, if, if I could just sort of switch gears that I, I, I've been so excited. I've been waiting 47 minutes now to bring this up. I'm so happy. <laughs> I'm so excited about this. All right, hit us with it. Bro. We finally learned how to kill a match properly. I can't believe it. I don't know if you guys remember me saying this. I think I brought it up twice on two different occasions. And on one of the occasions, I can't remember which match it was where Kerem sold. And I was complaining. I said, we had a corner and we played the corner short. Kerem lost the ball and they scored. Was it against Trabzon? No. I think it was Alanya. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe. Bro, and I was saying, just get the ball and shield it in the corner. They're going to either foul you or kick it out for another corner. I, I was so pissed off. I was like, these players are so stupid. They have the lowest IQ. Like, why are you not doing that? I can't believe it. We were doing it in this match. I honestly couldn't believe it. Yusuf was doing it. I think he did it a couple times. I can't remember who else was doing it. But it seriously makes a difference. When, especially now that there's so much added time. You do that, players get frustrated. And then, like I said, they'll either foul you or put it out for another corner. That's frustrating. And then when they actually do get the ball, because you were wasting time, they want to play so fast and they make stupid passes and poor decisions. And those, these little things are, that's what makes you a smart player, an intelligent player. Like just all the little things combined is what makes you really good. And I'm so happy we're finally doing that. It was pissing me off so badly because. If you look, um, if, if you guys go back, I don't know, maybe from the 95th minute onwards, we were doing that really good. Yusuf, really smart player, whoever else was doing, I think it might have been, I want to say Kerem, but I can't remember if he was on the field. I'm not sure. But then you have Seferovic who had the ball and he made this, the dumbest pass. He tried to make a pass into the middle of the field and they took it and started countering us. And I'm like, oh, okay, this is definitely the goal. You know, fortunately, it didn't turn out to be anything, but that's literally the difference. That's how you kill off a match. And in comparison to what Seferovic did, these stupid mistakes, stupid, unnecessary passes that could give it away. So hopefully we keep that up because that's, in my opinion, very good. And people might complain and say, oh, you know, it's a scummy, you know, scummy scumbag thing to do. But I totally disagree. I, you know, in, in football, no one cares if you're a scumbag. We're here to win. We're here to win points, win trophies. No one remembers what you did to win those points. Nobody cares. No one cares if you're a scumbag. No one cares if you're a good guy. We Nobody cares. We're here to win. So you do what you got to do to win, right? So yeah, I'm very happy to see that. But that's the match pretty much. Emre, there, I know there's a few uh, post-game points that we want to go over if you have anything specific you want to bring up. I just up. wanted to go over the the... the yeah, um, subs. The subs, yeah, because last week we were all talking about the subs being bad for Mokambura mm -hmm. too late mm -hmm. and not being the right ones. What do you guys think in contrast to this game? Well, let me let me mention, I'll, I'll list the subs quick and then maybe we can talk about it. So the first sub came in the 72nd minute. It was Gomis who came out for Badish. Uh, it was a double change. So uh, Gomis came out for Badish and Sergio came out for Mitsu. And then we had a triple change in the uh, 87th minute. Rashica came off for Yusuf, Kerem came off for Seferovic, and Van Anholt came off for Dubois. 
So mm-hmm. what did you think about that, Yasin? You had a lot of criticism. I did as well. But what did you think about it this week? Yeah, so I had a lot of criticism. And then what I said last last week was that Okan Buruk is a type that learns from his mistakes and often does a good job kind of gaining our confidence back, right? Not repeating the same mistakes. And I think that's exactly what he did. Uh, no, no more than a week later, we're seeing him kind of look back and say, okay, this is what I should have done. And his subs were excellent for the most part, I think. Um, Gomez came off in the 73rd minute. Maybe he played a little bit too much, but still, 73rd minute, okay. And the guy that he put on, Barishal Perjumas, who ended up scoring the winner. Sergio Olivero, a guy that is coming back from an injury who honestly doesn't probably have the best match fitness. And again, playing in the cold away, he's going to get tired. And I think the guy to put in was Misho. That, that's a fine move, I think. Beckham was probably feeling a lot of that load and defending, and he got a little teammate to help him out in that situation. Good sub. Uh, the triple sub at the end, I think, you know, triple subs in general are, are kind of risky because that's a lot of players at the same time and that can really change the flow of the game for the worse. It, it's a risky decision to make. But in this case, I think it was okay. Both Kerem and Rashica came off. I think they were both showing that they were tired and we needed somebody to kind of, or a couple players to come and put a little bit more pressure so putting Seforovic and Yusuf Demir um, was okay. I actually liked the Seforovic sub, guys. I'm curious what you thought about that because we needed to start playing the ball up top, right? We were we were playing a little bit safer, kicking the ball up because we couldn't play the ball at our feet too much. And putting Seforovic up top, a guy who's taller, can win some balls in the air, I thought was a good idea. Um, I don't recall if we really utilize him in that way but in theory i thought it was okay just to kind of kick the ball up and have somebody control it and got pass it to the guy that's next to him and van Anholt came off in the 80th minute i think maybe that took a little bit too long that actually confused me so he he took off van Anholt at left back and put in the ball at left back instantly my thought was why didn't we just start the ball at left back instead if if, if you're okay with him playing left back why not just start him there because Vanano hasn't been playing exceptional. We already talked about that. Why didn't the boss start there? That's the only thing that I didn't understand, but I thought he did well with the subs and it worked out for for three points. The only thing, okay, so I'll touch on the whole Van Anholt thing. In this t- game, you don't really need Dubois, so to say, his skill set because you can't really utilize his skill set, right? We can't utilize the p- football we play. What Van Anholt has over Dubois is Van Anholt is just a um, um, strength merchant. That's all he uses, his strength and his physicality to play. And that's what we needed. I mean, yeah, he had some brain farts, which, you know, ended up with us scoring, um, them, the other team scoring against us. But all in all, I can't say it was a bad choice to start with him. Um, could he have started with Dubois? Maybe. I don't know. It's It's his decision at the end of the day. But um, I, I I do say I think he will start with Dubois next game. I think Dubois is more play at home type of guy where we're always attacking. We're not relying on our physicality as much. But um, I think listen, I if you win the game and you and one of the the guys that you subbed in score for you, I think you did a good job. I think we did. I think he did a good job. I think you know it's way better in contrast where. Last game, he subbed in. We started playing worse, right? 
This game, not so much. Um, but yeah, I, I, John wants to take it away. Like, I don't have much to say. I think it was just good changes by him in over, like in general. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't have an issue with the subs. You guys pretty much said it all. I, the only issue I do have is probably what Yasin said about the triple sub at the end of the match, which is I, I prefer subbing players in a little bit earlier and a little bit more spread out. Um, hmm. yeah, triple change all at once, right? You know, before the 90th minute. Uh, I don't know about that. I mean, I know it was 1-1 and we really needed a goal. I don't know. There's a bunch of ways you can look at that. But I mean, for the most part, it is what it is. We won the match. So when you win the mm-hmm. match, you know, it's hard to complain about things, right? It worked out. Right. But I, uh, I had one question in my mind that's been lingering for a few weeks now. Mm-hmm. Um, what, We know Seferovic is not right for this team. We just know he's going to be a goner. He's not staying with us, you know, yada, mm-hmm. yada, yada. But do you guys think, I, I don't know what, what uh, Yusuf Demir's identity is right now. I see him play. I just don't know what he's supposed to be. Is he supposed to be a winger, a midfielder? It's like, I feel like he has traits that can benefit both, but it's like he has one thing, but it's missing another for both both uh, roles. Like for midfield, he's not as you know strong. He's not as physical. And for a winger, he's not as fast. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you guys think of him? I, I I feel like he has no identity yet. And I don't know how he's going to fit in this team in the yeah, long run. It's That's been on my mind for quite a while now. You know, for me, what's tricky about that is, you know, let's let's put it this way. Okay. Our two wingers are Kerem and Rashica. As of right now, would I start Yusuf over either of them? I would say no. Right? Right. And then look at our midfield, like our proper midfield trio. Mertens, Sergio, Torreira. Am I starting Yusuf over any of them? No. So I don't know what the future plans with Yusuf Demir. Like, I don't know what the plans are. I mean, for now, he's, he's coming in in the last 10 or 15 minutes of the match. And I mean, I, I guess depending on the situation, that's fine. But I agree with you. It's, it's a little bit tricky. Like, where does he, you know, what's his role? Where does he fit in the squad? Because I, I do think he's a really talented player, but just with the players that we have, you know, it's it's kind of hard to work out, I think. Yeah, that's been on my mind. I don't know. Yasin, I know you're a, you're a, uh, <laughs> you're a stand of his, just like Berkan and Sengun. No, I, I, <laughs> so, I, 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 what do you think? I think you bring up a great point. Um, I'm, I'm wondering the same thing myself. And, you know, the response from myself is we're going to need time because... He's a very interesting player that holds a lot of skill and possibility, but I think you need to kind of work around him. You need to build your approach to the game with him in mind as a priority first, especially in our attack. And I don't know where he slots in really because the role that Mertens plays, you can't really expect that from Yusuf. Right. The role that our wingers currently play, as John just said, you, you, Yusuf is not that type of winger. So I think it's just going to take time for him to understand his teammates and his teammates to understand him. So when he does get on the pitch, it's not just like, okay, we have to change our style completely. Everybody's lost. It's going to take time for everybody to understand how he plays and how that switch is going to be, where it's going to be smoother for us as viewers and it's going to be smoother for them on the pitch itself. So I think we just need a bit of time. And at the end of the day, the kid's 19 years old. Like He's young. It's a new league for him. Um, I just I say give it time. I give it time, and I'm not worried just because of 
the skill that he has. I, I think he can do a lot. He can cause a lot of damage. It's just finding that fit right now. And that's tough to do when he's not a starting player. And that's tough to do in this situation where, you know, we're going for the league, we're winning, going for the title, and we have all these players before him. So And we paid a good amount of money for him too. Let's not forget we, that. We, we did. We did. Fortunately, I mean, it's four years. I wish it was five. But I think uh, after a proper offseason, after this league, after this league, fin- the season finishes, then maybe we can start to see him, you know, involved a little bit better. But I just, I say give it time, to be honest. Yeah, that's what you think, huh? All right, let's give it time. I would honestly think he would fit in a 4-4-2 system. I don't know. I think it was one of those friendly games. He was much more attacking-minded, and he scored two goals. So I think that was... game was that? Was that the one that we actually won? Can't remember. But I think he'd do well in a, in a 4-4-2 system. Anyway, well, if you guys don't have anything to say about the game, I think we're done. We pretty much wrapped it up. Uh, but, John, you wanted to speak more about the, the event after the game. Yeah, I mean, just one thing for me, like maybe I'll, I'll mention this and then maybe it'll lead into our um, predictions for the next match. But so our next match is against, uh, we're at home against Ankara Gujju. And we have two players, two pretty key players that are suspended for that match, uh, Sasha Boy and Sergio Oliveira. Um, so they, they've, they've, they've picked up one too many yellow cards and, and they're suspended for that match. And then uh, what's a little more worrying than that is we have Mertens, Kerem, and Abdul Kerem, who are one yellow card away from missing the Fener Derby. And that's pretty worrying. Those are three players we really need for that match. So it's going to be interesting to see what Okan does. I mean, we're at home against a team that's one point out of relegation. And, you know, are we going to start, you know, Emin Bayram instead of Abdul Kerem? You know, what about Kerem? Is this the time for Yusuf Demir to start instead of Kerem if we can work him in possibly? You know, so what do you guys think about that? This could be very tricky and this honestly could really affect the uh, the derby result. Yeah, I mean, I think... Is, uh, is Okan going to take that risk? You got to ask yourself, if you were in Okan's place, would you take that risk in this type of league? knowing that yellow cards are shown way more easily to us than any other team for for non-offensive uh, positions, let's just say, for the most mundane ones. Would you take that? I, w- I personally wouldn't take that chance against Ankara Gujar, okay? I know Mertens is a great player and he, he would just absolutely dominate in that game, but I would rather save him for the Fenerbahce game because I, don't, I can't trust Mata by, to play there. And then if you don't have Matsu, who are you going to play? Sergio's? I don't know. Maybe you can do that and just go with the Micho Torreira duo. But that, that that's that's tough. And then I think Keram's the only one that you can actually risk. Because if you, you don't have Keram, you can always put in Barashapad for the next game. And I think Barashapad will do fine. He did fine against Besiktas, for example, right? So And Fenerbahce is a very uh, physical-oriented team. And then you need someone really physical. Maybe Kerem might not actually be the right person to play. And the third one you mentioned, up to Kerem, 100% bench. No question. Do not put that man against Ankara because you absolutely are going to need him against Fenerbahce. That's, that's just 100%. Emin Bayram will do, man. Anyone will do. I don't care if you put a cone there. It will do. We just need up to Kerem for that Fenerbahce game. Yasin, what do you think? 
yeah, uh, there's no reason to risk any of those players. Fortunately, we have a deep squad. Um, not deep enough to say that I sh I'm worry-free if any of them get suspended for the Fenerbahce game. You're, you're playing against your biggest rival away. You're playing against the team that's going to be in it to the end with you, who are the favorites. You need to go into that game with your absolute starting 11. And Mertens, Kerem, and Abdul Kerem are pretty much all your starting 11 players. I don't think there's a question about that right now. I would, I would put Sergio at number 10, have him replace Mertens. You know, throwing Berkan and Torreira in there or Micho. You know, for Kerem, you can play Barish Alper if you want. Play Yunus, maybe he's back. Have both of them alternate. You know, start Barish, throw Yunus in later. Start Yunus, throw Barish in later. And for Abdul Kerem, we're, we're blessed with two very good young center backs that happen to both be Turkish. Pick one. Whoever's been the best in training the last two weeks, play him. Whoever has the best mental strength, play him. And fortunately for us and all these players, they they uh they're playing at home in Istanbul, you know, in right. front of fifty thousand fans. So they have that mental support. So uh I don't see a problem with it. Oh wait, are we Olivero's suspended, yeah. right? Olivero's suspended. Yeah, now that you mention it, yeah, he's suspended. Yep. Duh. Uh, that that does make it a little bit more complicated. Um maybe Yusuf, speaking of the guy, the kid, maybe this play might him. Be his I'm chance, not sure. Man. This might be his only chance to actually prove himself that oh listen, I can play in the midfield. This might be his only chance. Mm -hmm. And I think at home with a good supporting cast, he can live up to that. Um, Bowie's, you know, Bowie not being there, I think it's okay. We have Dubois, so that shouldn't really be a worry. Yeah. But I, I am curious. Let's see what Okan does because I, I feel like we have this tendency to go into these Fenerbahce derbies over the last few years away with our right back, like one of our fullbacks always missing. Like, I feel like Mariano has missed so many derbies away. I feel like we've missed other guys in the past. I hope we don't miss, you know, somebody else important for that one. So, mm -hmm. Uh, but let's see what happens. I, I wouldn't want to miss Abdul Kerim, for example. I wonder if uh, Icardi will be back for this game because everyone's worried about Icardi. You are asking about Icardi. When is he coming back? Because he's been our best finisher, I would say. You guys think he'll be back this game? I haven't heard much news about him being match ready. I, I really do uh, hope I, he makes. I, I read an update today, actually. So oh sweet okay there's uh there's a chance that he could be playing against Ankara uh, sorry excuse me Ankara Gujju but 100% he'll be playing in the derby that's what i read today i read two okay i read i'm sorry, I, I i'm not really sure who reported but i read two different reports about that today so we could see him we could see him start in this next match but definitely he'll be playing the derby okay yeah. cuz I, I haven't seen anything of him like nothing with him training with the team nothing all I know is like, oh, he's, you know, you know, he's practicing individual, you know, practices, mm -hmm. so to say. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah. So there's also, before that, you know, since we're talking about Ankara Guju going to Fenerbahce game, that game is going to be quite heated with the whole uh, issues regarding, you know, Ali Koch coming out and with the press conference and Adan Tumor also following suit with his own press conference before their co yeah. press conference. So, uh, what did, did you guys listen to that? Do you guys have any uh, opinions on that? I I didn't listen to the whole thing. I'm not going to lie. I think it was like 30 minutes or so. But there were some good points that he made and, you know. That Ali coach made? 
Shame, oh, no. yes, uh, and shame. Add them too much. I thought you were asking about add them too much. I'm sorry. I'm joking. <laughs> I, th- I think Ali Coach was just crying. He even said some random things about the ref. Apparently, the ref like doesn't didn't do askerlik, you know, military service because he was listed as like a man has cancer. You know, Apparently, that's what I heard. Man's struggling with cancer. Yeah, I, I don't know. So Ali Coach was like questioning how he's able to miss military service, but he's allowed to be a ref. Uh, I'm not sure how the two really correlate, but yeah, Ali Coach made some random comments like that. He called out Tefefe and the refereeing decisions in general, like classic Ali Coach crying. And I'm not sure if that benefits Fenerbahce or actually, in my opinion, it makes things worse. Once again, we see Ali Coach getting involved when he doesn't need to. Because in my honest opinion, being objective, Fenerbahce are doing fine for themselves. They have Jorge Jesus, who is obviously overrated, but he has his team kind of in control. The players are doing their part and they're they're in the race. Are they going to win it? We'll see what happens, but they're in the race. And once again, Ali Coach is getting involved with outside factors. And oftentimes that doesn't help. That that makes it worse for them. So I'm not sure what he's thinking there. Um, but yeah, man, this, this derby is going to be crazy. Uh, it, if if we win next week, this next game and against them, that could be a four point lead. That's just beautiful, man. Going into the you know February, yeah. this yeah. what we're what we're experiencing right now is truly the best part of football, man. Like you know, as it stands right now, there's one point separating us, and we're heading into this derby in I think seven days now or eight days. Oh man, like it's just gonna be so fiery, man. I I just I, I wish I could be there. It's they. I've never been to an away match, but they always say the away days are the ones you want to be at, man. And uh, yeah, the yeah. upsets, right? Yeah, it's gonna be fiery, man. I can't wait. We'll see what happens. But before before we get there, let's maybe give our uh, predictions for the Ankara Guju match. Um, I know Emre. Maybe it's just me and Yasin. Emre has his, his uh, little. I don't know what to call that ritual. A little superstition. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, you want to go ahead, Yasin? Give our give us our uh, your predictions, are you? Yeah, so not to self gloat, but I did predict this game. Well, I, I said two one last week for the Sivas game, and ended up being two one. So hopefully, I continue this, and I'm gonna say a three one win next game. Lovely. I'm uh, I'm gonna say a two nothing victory, two zero. And I think that, um, yeah, I think we're going to get some momentum going into this derby. You know, we have, we're at home. Anything less than a win is, you know, pretty much unacceptable. Like I said, we're playing against a team that's one point out of um, relegation. And the form that we're in, I'm fully expecting a win. And, you know, we're making winning a habit. And that's a really, really dangerous thing when a team does that. When they make winning a habit, they'll find a way to win no matter what. Like we just saw 95th, 4th, 6th minute, whatever it is, they always find a way. And I feel like we're slowly getting there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're improving every passing week, which is the important thing. And it's the best we can, you know, ask for. Mm -hmm. And with that said, a big thanks to everyone that stayed and listened till now. Hopefully, you guys have a great new year where you're constantly improving too. This has been episode 38 of The Lion's Den. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at the Lions Den GS. Be sure to like, subscribe, and share our links with friends and family. 
it'll mean a lot to us. With that said, stay safe and peace out. Peace. See you.